Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. During the days of the, of the Old West, when the West was being pioneered, a lonely scraggler kind of stumbled into a settlement didn't have any money, didn't have any food. He began to go from home to home in the settlement asking for money, asking for handouts, asking for food. And one of the settlers noticed he had something around his neck. He said, what is that around your neck? He said, well, it's a, it's a, it's a pouch. It was a gift that was given to me. He said, what's in it? He said, I don't know. He said, I've never opened it. He said, it's, it, but it was given to me and it's really precious to me. And he took, it, he took the pouch off and he handed it and the man opened it and pulled out a, a yellow dusty old paper. But when he opened it up, it was a pension that was signed by General George Washington. This man had been a Revolutionary War veteran who had served with Washington and was entitled to a pension for all of his life. He was wearing it around his neck, but it never did him any good. He was so close, but he didn't realize what was available to him. We're doing a series called In God I Trust. And one of the things that we want to accomplish with this series is to expand our vision of who God is and all the things that God can do in our life. David said, in God, I put my trust. So we want to find out how we can trust God in the different areas that we can trust God for his help. We talked about him being fair, that what we do, he's very good to reward and he acknowledges that. This morning, I want to talk about that we can trust God for wisdom. We need wisdom. And the day we're living in, we need wisdom. You say, well, I've got wisdom. All I have to do is go on YouTube and I can find anything I need. And, 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 and listen, I understand that. I appreciate, I appreciate that. But listen, just because they're on YouTube does not make them legit. Just because they have a gazillion followers doesn't mean that they know exactly what they're talking about. So just take it with advisement. I do appreciate YouTube. I mean, if you want to know how to do, there's somebody telling you how to do something on YouTube. And, and that I appreciate. But the YouTube gurus are everywhere. Some people look for wisdom in, in quotes and anecdotes. You, uh, anybody remember in the, in the 80s, they had all those what they call success, successories posters. And there were posters that had like a picture of an eagle or a wave. And they're like attitude, a little change that changes everything. It had all these pithy little sayings. They called them successories. I, maybe I, because I'm in sales, they had them all over the place. It's like, you know, persevere and, and, and everyone like, yeah, that's, that's deep stuff. Well, it's, it's it, no, it's a poster, but it was, it, it was, it was there and, and people got wisdom from that or stories and things that get passed down. And, and really that's the way that wisdom was often passed down. It was passed down in stories. In fact, a, a third grade teacher had, had her class. She said, I want you guys to go home tonight and tomorrow when you come back with a story that has a moral in it. So that when they came back the next day, the first little girl stood up. She said, I was staying with my grandparents on their farm and my granddad gave me my own special chicken. And he told me when this chicken laid eggs that I could sell the chicks and buy myself a, a new dress. And she said, I was so excited when the chicken laid eight eggs. She said, but only four of them hatched. I didn't have enough to buy the dress. And the moral of the story is, don't count your chickens. <laughs> see, see, you know this. This is wisdom, right? 
She said, the next little guy stood up. He said, I was staying with my grandparents too and I was on the farm and uh, we used to go to the market and I would help them sell produce at the market but we took some fresh eggs in the market and I put all the eggs. They told me that I could take some of the money from selling the eggs and I could buy a new game. And so I put all the eggs in this big box but the truck hit a bump and a lot of the eggs busted and I didn't have enough for the game. And the moral of the story is, don't put all your eggs. Ah, see. See if you know this next one. Hunter stands up. He says, my Aunt Sally was in Afghanistan and her transport plane was shot down. All she bailed out was she was the only survivor. She bailed out with a bottle of Jack Daniels whiskey and a gun, a handgun. She said she drank the whiskey on the way down and when she landed, she landed right in the middle of a bunch of Taliban soldiers. She took her gun out and killed 10 of them. Then she broke the whiskey bottle and used it as a knife and killed four more with her bare hands. Teacher said, that is horribly violent, Johnny. Hunter, what kind of story is that? He said, oh, it's got a moral. He said, moral is, don't mess with Aunt Sally when she's been drinking. <laughs> Y'all didn't know that one, right? <laughs> we get wisdom from different things. We get them from YouTube. We get them from quotes and things. Uh, a lot of wisdom is passed down from family members. You ever notice that family, kind of have family wisdom. This is what our family does. And, uh, and some of that's good, but sometimes you've got to look at that too. Not all family wisdom is wisdom. There was a lady getting ready to cook a, a pot roast and she took a knife and cut off a big hunk at the end of the pot roast and, and threw it away. And her husband said, well, why did you just do that? Why did you cut off the end of the pot roast and throw it away? He said, "That's all, you just wasted a lot of money. She said, my mama always did it. She said, well, find out why. So she called her mom. She said, mom, why did, why did you cut off the end of the pot roast before you cooked it? She said, I don't know. My mom always did it. So the so girl called her grandma. She said, grandma, mom cuts off the end of the roast. I cut off the end of the roast. Why did you start off cutting off the end of the roast? And grandma said, well, it's easy. She said, my, my pan was too short, so I had to cut the roast off to fit inside the pan. And we're laughing, but there's a lot of wisdom gets passed down like that. <laughs> and so different ways to find wisdom. You know the best source of wisdom? Come on, that's, that's a loaded question. You're in church. The best source, <laughs> the best source of wisdom is God. Look what, uh, look what the book of Job said. True wisdom and power are found in God. Counsel and understanding are his. God is the greatest source of wisdom. You know, you say, well, how do I find the wisdom of God? The Bible gives us, it's a book full of God's wisdom. Full of God's wisdom. And it's a, a lot of wisdom on how to live our life. It's, it's general wisdom. What kind of attitude to take? Whether we should forgive. It'll tell us how to pray. It tells us different things about how to live. It's, it's, it's one of the greatest books for general wisdom. It, just, it tells us about giving. It speaks to our attitude. It speaks to our thoughts. It is wonderful wisdom for living. But then we need sometimes specific wisdom. And thank God we've been given the Holy Spirit who lives in us. If you're a believer, you've been given the Holy Spirit to be a teacher and a guide, and he can help you with the specific wisdom. You see, I, I knew we were supposed to start a church, but there is no Bible verse that says, thou shalt go to Conroe and start a church. You can't find that in the Bible. The only specific wisdom I found in the Bible is thou shalt go out with joy. Hey, 
We're clipping today, aren't we? Here we go. But the Bible gives us general wisdom and the Holy Spirit can speak specific wisdom. And it was him who spoke to our hearts years ago to start a church here. And I believe that was God's wisdom. He is specific. You say, that's, that's wisdom. God has wisdom. Yeah, God has a lot of wisdom. And we have to acknowledge that. Because if we're going to put our trust in God, we have to put our trust in God that he has all the wisdom that we need. A number of years ago, I, uh, well, when I was a boy, I grew up in North Carolina and we had neighborhood pools. My pool's about a mile away. I used to ride my bike up there. It's a wonderful pool, probably built in the 50s. And I was there in the, in, especially in the 60s, early 70s. And those days, the pools had high dives. Anybody remember high dives? They, I think they've just, they've gotten rid of them. They, you don't see them unless you're at a diving center. You just don't see high dives anymore. There's probably some, somebody got hurt and some legislation. But back then, you could actually go off the high dive without wearing a helmet. And so um, it, it was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, it's one of those moves. But anyway, um, I, that was kind of like a rite of passage. If you were a child, because the, the, the high dive was only 10 feet off the water. But when you got up there, it looked like it was like 150 feet off the water. And so the big rite of passage was you jumped off the high dive, and then you dived off the high dive. And then I got to be where I could do a flip off the high dive. I mean, there were like urban legends among children of kids who had died doing belly busters off the high dive. And it wasn't true, but you were concerned about that. And so I, I'm up there on the high, and I got to be where I could do a flip. Now, it wasn't pretty. I mean, I bounced, and I held my legs, and I, I landed just enough so I didn't land on my face. And so I did a flip, and I got out of the pool. I was thinking, I was, I was feeling good about myself, man. I'm like, yeah, I did that. And there was an older, older guy there, and he, uh, he, he looked at me. I knew him. His family went to our church. And uh, he, said, uh, he said, hey, good job. I should have just said thank you, but not me. <laughs> I looked at him. I went, you know, you can do that too. He went, he smiled. He went, really? I said, yeah, yeah, it's easy. Just climb on up there. He said, I, I, go up to the top. He said, yeah. So he, he's, he's looking at me. He went to the top. I said, now, I said, now when you jump, I said, get a good bounce. I said, and then hold, tuck your, your legs in tight. And then so don't overturn. I'm giving, I'm coaching him, right? Don't overturn. So you don't land on your face and die. And so I, I was just, I was trying, I was trying to help. I knew I was in trouble when he comes to the back of the, of the board and he goes and does one of these things, you know, up with one leg and then lands on that board and he takes off. He does a perfect one and a half and splits the water. I mean, there wasn't even a splash. And he gets out of the water and he smiles. And I'm like, okay, I'm stupid. I am just, I'm, I'm, I'm just stupid. Because I found out Mike Kimbrough was a state championship high school diver for the state of North Carolina. And I'm going to teach him how to do a flip. I thought, man, that is a stupid thing to do. You know, I've done stupider things than that. Like tell God, who's the source of all wisdom, how something should be done or not even ask him for his wisdom. He knows how to do flips and backflips and one and a halfs and everything. And I'm barely jumping off the high dive. And he's like, Alan, I got this. If you'll ask me, I got all the wisdom that you need. We need to ask him instead of telling him. 
There's a man in the Bible who, who really sought God for wisdom. He had a heart for God, heart for wisdom. His name was Solomon. Solomon was the, he was the third king of Israel. He followed Saul. He followed David. His father was David. His mother was Bathsheba. And Solomon was the, the king. And Solomon, as he, he knew in his heart he needed wisdom. So let's read his story here. Solomon went up there to the bronze altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of meeting, and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. On that night, God appeared to Solomon and, and said to him, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said to God, You have shown great mercy to David, my father, and to make me king in his place. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to David, my father, be established, for you have made me king over people like the dust of the earth and multitude. Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in. Really, he's talking about leadership there. Before this people, for who can judge this great people of yours? Then God said to Solomon, Because this was in your heart, and you have not asked for riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked for long life, but you've asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may judge my people over whom I've made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I'll give you riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the light. There's some great principles we can learn here. You say, Alan, why do you, why do you use the Old Testament so much? Because the Old Testament gives us pictures of what we can apply New Testament principles to. But there's a great principle here. Solomon really had a heart for God. You see his story there in Chronicles. There's also a story in 1 Kings. And just combining the story, the story in 1 Kings says, Solomon loved the Lord and walked in all of his ways. Solomon had a real heart for God. He loved God. He'd grown up in the, in the king's home, but he wasn't satisfied with that. He loved God. And when he went and gave that offering, it was a significant offering. And the reason I say it was significant, because the Bible actually mentions the number. It was a thousand burnt offerings. That was a lot. And Solomon wasn't trying to get anything. He wasn't asking for anything. He just had a heart for God, and he did it with his offering. You see his heart there. Solomon also acknowledged God's goodness and his need for God. He said, Lord, he said, you have made me king instead of my father David. David had passed away. David was a great king. And Solomon recognized the value of God making him king. He said, well, of course he was, he was the son of a king. He also had older brothers. And also he understood that usually the lineage goes down to the next oldest, but it didn't. And Solomon had uh, how Solomon was born and his mother and father, man, that's a little sketchy. I mean, you know, at some point in time, Solomon had to come to his mom, Bathsheba, and go, hey, mom, how did you and dad meet? <laughs> Uh-oh. I'm sure mom was like, sit down, honey. I need to tell you about this. You see, I was bathing on the rooftop. You were what, mom? I was bathing on the rooftop. Man, if, I, if that's me, I'm like, let's stop right there, mom, with, with that. I'm, she bathed, and David saw me, your father saw me, and he came, and, you know, and we, we got together. And then um, my first husband uh, was killed by David. And you're starting to think, whoa, 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 this is not looking good. I got a sketchy past. And, and, and we had a son, and he died, and you were the second son. And Solomon got a great understanding right there that God had been gracious to him, even though he had other brothers, even though David and Bathsheba had gotten together under some very sketchy circumstances, even though some horrible things had happened, 
God is a merciful God and he chose Solomon. And Solomon said, Lord, I want to thank you that you chose me. He acknowledged God's goodness and then he acknowledged his need for God. He said, basically he's saying David was a great leader. He was a wonderful leader. He said, I'm a kid. I don't know how to lead this church. I don't lead this, um, this, con this congregation, it, people. He said, I didn't know. I can wreck it. I can, I can feel for him. But he said, I don't know how to lead this people. God, I need your wisdom. That, that's really humility. God, I need you. Even though I've been raised in the palace, God, I need your help. God, I need your wisdom. I want your wisdom to be a blessing to your people. Now, don't miss that because that was key. He didn't just want wisdom so he could be the smartest guy in the room. He wanted wisdom so he could be a blessing to the people that God had entrusted to him. That's key. That was so good. And he recognized, God, I believe you have the wisdom and I believe I need it. And the Bible said that God, his request, that God was pleased with it. God said, well, you did good, son. This was a good request. Because he could have asked for so many things. If the Lord appeared to you in a dream and said, ask me, what do you want? There's a lot of things that could come to mind. Some of them not so good. Killing your spouse is not an option, right? It's, it's, but so many things could come to mind. It's like, I, I, maybe I want something for my family or I want something, you know, I, man, I need my business to really prosper and grow or Lord, I, I really would like a couple of houses, one on the lake and, and one in, you know, in the mountains and so many things could come to mind. And Solomon, he didn't, he didn't ask for money or wealth or honor. He just said, Lord, I want wisdom. And God said, you asked the right thing. And so God gave him wisdom. In fact, he gave him so much wisdom that the scriptures tell us that kings and leaders would come from all the nations around just to hear what Solomon had to say. They said he could speak 3,000 proverbs. He wrote 1,005 songs. He could talk about everything from plants to animals to building, you name it. This guy, his, his wisdom was brilliant. People would just come to listen to him. And not only God, did God give him that, he gave him riches and wealth and honor like no one's ever had. You say, well, he had a thousand wives. Was that wisdom? No, that was not wisdom. All right, right there. But, but God blessed him and he started off on the right track. Heart for God and a heart to bless people. So what's that got to do with me, Alan? I mean, I'm not a king. I'm not over a lot of people. I'm just, I'm just me. Yeah, but we still need wisdom. And in God, we can trust for wisdom and wisdom on how to live. You say, well, great. Where do I start? You start with a heart for God. Start like Solomon. He's a great pattern. Start with a heart for God. They asked Jesus one time. They said, Jesus, Pharisees were always trying to nail him down. They said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? This is what he gave them. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, who called himself greater than Solomon. Jesus is the wisest who has ever lived. And Jesus said, this is key, that you love God. That you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, that you love God. Now, I know we hear that today, and we think, yeah, yeah, I love God. No, no, that we love God. That's where we start. That's the starting place. You say, well, how, how, do you, how do you love God? Listen, loving God's not so different from how you love someone in your life. Joy and I have been married now for, for 40 years. I've known her for almost 41. And uh, we've been married, and, and there's, there's three things that I can tell you that, that, that I show my love for my wife. One, I make time for her. I make time. 
I say, you know, if, if I say, oh, Joy, I love you, I never had any time for her, that'd be, that'd be a little sketchy. But I love her, make time for her. Second thing is, I do those things that I know would, would make her happy. Now, my wife likes, you know, everyone has their thing, but Joy likes the bed made. And she's leaving sometimes the morning she leaves before I do. And, and uh, I'll, she said, well, you make the bed. I can do that. I make the bed, not because I really care, but she likes it. And so I, I do that for her because I know that that pleases her. Does that make sense? And so she, she allows my dog to stay alive because she knows that it pleases, <laughs> that it pleases me. She really doesn't like dogs, but she endures Boudreaux because she knows that I love little Boudreaux and he loves me and that's all that matters. But you do things like that. You do things because you want to please them. And here's another thing. I think about her. You know, you can't say I love somebody, but I hadn't thought about him in five years. No, we think about the ones that we love. Joy had mentioned something the other day. She saw a, she saw a Bible and she said, oh, that is really nice. Well, I got one for her. She's out shopping one day and she sees she sees something in a store. She said, well, that's a book. Alan would like that. And she picked it up. She got it for me. You say, well, those are little things. Yeah, but it's, it's, it, it's, these are important things. How, how do you love God? You make time for him. I'm talking to people who came this morning. You made time for God. That's good. That's a good thing to do. Yeah, it cost you something, but you'll gain something from it. You, how, do, how do you love God? Well, you want to do those things that please him. You know, the other day I, I was... I was short with joy. I know you think it's impossible, but I, I spoke very shortly to joy and I recognized that nah, I wasn't right. And I apologized to her and I apologized to God. You say, well, why'd you apologize to God? Because it's his daughter. And I, I didn't, I, I want this relationship to be good, not just this relationship to be good because I love God. And I'm like, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I, I missed it there. And I received his forgiveness and go on. Why? Because I want to do those things that please him loving God. And then I think about him. He's in my thoughts. I don't just think about him on Sundays when I'm preaching. I think about him during the week and I think about how good he's been to me and how merciful. And sometimes I can just be driving down the road going, thank you, Lord. You have been good. You have been merciful. You've been kind to me. What am I doing? I'm thinking about him. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And when you do that, that's, man, that's a good way to live. That's, that's what Jesus said. But then he adds something to it. He said, you got to love God. He said, and you also have to have a heart to bless people. He said, you got to love your neighbor as yourself. He said, well, who's my neighbor? Well, your neighbor's anyone near you. Who's in your world? The people around us, the people in our world, we love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, a lot of times people hear that and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know, I know, Alan, I know we need to do that. But, you know, it's kind of like, it, it's a secondary thing. No, Jesus, the, the smartest person in the world said to do this. And listen. We don't, just don't want wisdom from God and spot wisdom for situations. We want wisdom for God, how to live, period. And how to live, period, is we love God and we love other people. And that's a good way to live. Now, here's people say, well, I know you're a preacher and you're supposed to say these things. No, no, no. Here's the deal, guys. Science is now starting to say the same thing. I read something the, uh, the other day I thought was fascinating. They said that in, in science, they said, we have for the past 50 years have had this constant focus on me. The 70s, my generation was called the me generation. The 80s brought us greed is good. The 90s gave us pursue your passion. 
the 2000s brought in, everybody gets a trophy. <laughs> the 2010s and up have been the generation of the selfie stick. And you think everyone, everything has, has turned in. You say, well, we're progressing. We're not progressing. They did a poll last year. And I, I just wanted, this is the general, this is a general social society. It's considered the gold standard on checking attitudes in America. This poll said, who's very happy? In, 20, 000, in 2018, 31% of the Americans responded and said, we are very happy. And in 2021, 19% of the Americans said we're very happy. In 2018, who said, who's not too happy? Only 13% in 2018 said, I'm not too happy. 2021, 24%. You say, so what? You say, for the first time in 50 years, not too happy exceeds very happy in America. We've been focusing so much on ourselves that we've missed how Jesus said we ought to live. Living is not focusing on ourselves. Living is getting outside of ourselves and being a blessing to others. The wisdom of God says, I, I reach out. That's bigger living. That's, that's getting out of the selfishness that we've just absolutely become consumed with. That's kingdom living. And Jesus said in, in uh, Matthew 6, 33, he said, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. So what, what are you trying to talk me into? Huh? I'm trying to talk you into walking in the wisdom of God because God's wisdom says, that if we want to live, if we want to be happy, we get outside of ourselves and we become a blessing to others. I read an, art, I read a, an article the other day, well, other, excuse me, years ago. It was about businesses, growing businesses. And they said there are businesses that grow and they're, they're, they're what they call mom and pop businesses, they're small businesses. And it said then there's entrepreneurial business. And they talked about the different, the mindset. There, there's a lot of factors involved. My family came from, I, I grew up in a small business. I appreciate small business owners. I appreciate the challenges they go through. It's difficult. But what they said was this. They said small business owners are, are more inward focused. It's for them. I can tell you my dad, he started his business because he wanted to be his own boss. He didn't want anybody to tell him what to do. And he wanted to, to, to provide for his family. And they said, that's fine. He said, but the ones that grow are the businesses that have an entrepreneurial mindset. I didn't start this just to take care of me. I started this because I want to create jobs for other people and a product or a service that blesses the community. That's a different thought. And so what we're living with, they're finding, and I know the word now is all self-care and mental care and, and mental health. And what they're finding is if you focus only on yourself, that what you're doing is you're not making the needle, you're not moving the needle toward the right area. You want to get blessed? If you want to get happy, then develop a heart that says, God, I want you to use me to be a blessing wherever I am and wherever I'm around. I want to not just be concerned about myself. I want to be concerned about other people. Said so You say, Alan, that, that sounds hard. No, listen, they've, they've done study after study. Science is now starting to tell it. People say, you're just talking Bible. No, I'm talking science. And they found that the happiest people are the people who love other people, who have good relationships, who care about other people. And that 35% of Americans over the age of 45 are chronically lonely. It doesn't have to be that way. In the church, we should be the most loving, generous, caring, gracious people. The people could come in and go, I feel the love of God in here. And that's exactly what's going to reach them. It's not great preaching. It's not great music. It's somebody sensing there's something different about you people. And it's got to be God's love. And I want it. That's what reaches people.
Lord, make me a blessing. Now, you may be thinking, Alan, I, I appreciate all that. And man, right now I need some specific wisdom. Well, let me give you a good verse. Because, you know, the Lord's merciful. You don't have to have everything perfect. He will help you. Look at this. If any of you lacks wisdom, all of us can raise our hand. You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. This verse changed my life. I was in North Carolina. We tried to start a church in my hometown. It didn't work. And for a year and a half, I'm stuck in my hometown and I don't know what to do. I kept looking and asking the Lord to show me where to start a church in North Carolina. Where do I start a church? And man, I just hit dead end after dead end after dead end. And one, I was just getting frustrated. And one morning I'm reading and I was, I'm reading this in my devotion. I was reading that book in uh, that chapter in James. If anyone lacks wisdom and I finally just cried out to God. I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. I lack wisdom. I need your wisdom. But your word says that if I ask you for wisdom, that you would give it to me. You won't, you won't look at me in disgust. You won't, I like what Joy talked about. You, your face is not going to be, oh, here you are again asking stupid questions. That is not it. He, he said he gives to all generously. So he's smiling. He, he get, I said, Lord, I need your wisdom. And your word says that you will give it to me and I'm not going to doubt you. And I thank you for it. Amen. And I went, and, I went to work. I was working with my dad at the time. And the phone rings. A friend of mine, he's a Christian brother. He calls me. He said, Alan, I was thinking about you this morning. He said, man, what in the world are you going to do? You've been stuck here in North Carolina. What are you going to do, man? What are you going to do? And I was just about to say, I don't. And I caught myself. And I said to my Christian friend, I said, you know what? I found that promise in James. The Bible said if I would ask God for wisdom, that he would give me wisdom. And so I'm thanking him that he will show me and I will know what to do. Now, that would have been a good time for him to go, amen, Alan, that is good, brother. I'm standing with you. I'll never forget, he went, oh, talk to you later, and hung up. And I thought, well, that wasn't, that wasn't much helpful. But I thought, Lord, you said if I asked for wisdom. Say, did you know that day? No. Did you know the next day? No. Did you know the next day? No. But I'm expecting. Listen, we got to believe God has wisdom. We have to believe that he will give us wisdom. And then we're expecting that wisdom to come into our life. Say, how is it going to come? I don't know. That's God's responsibility. It's not mine. But I do believe I can receive his wisdom. So I'm just going along. And we go to church one night. We drove 40 miles. We used to drive 40 miles to get to church. Those of you who feel like you drive a long way, I have driven further. <laughs> 40 miles and we, we go to church. I'm sitting there and I'll never forget what the guy said. He said, if, if you, he said, if you're not getting answers from God, you might be asking the wrong question. And it immediately went off in me. I've been asking God, God, where do you want me to start a church in North Carolina? Where do you want me to start a church in North Carolina? And I changed it. I said, Lord, do you want me to start a church in North Carolina? And immediately I sensed in my heart, no. And we hightailed it back to Texas, never to leave again. But we, we came back here. But that was the wisdom that we needed to help get us back to here. And then later to start this church. That verse changed my life. I could have stayed upset and mad. But I want to tell you something, guys. God's merciful. Do you need wisdom? He's promised to give you wisdom. Does it help to have a heart for him? Yeah. Does it help to have a heart to be a blessing to other people? Yeah. That's put you, that just positions you well. But if God, if you need wisdom, say, Lord, I, I need wisdom about my family. I need wisdom about my business. Or I need wisdom about something going on in my life. 
he'll give you wisdom. But when you ask, know he's got it. And know he'll give it to you. And, know you. and then once you ask, you just thank him for it. Lord, I'm expecting it. I believe I'll know what to do. Man, I've lived, our, I've lived my life that way. That's how this church started. That's how so many things have started. And I trust that God, and listen, he doesn't just do it for preachers. He'll do it for anyone who will call out to him, anyone who will put their trust in him. Would you bow your head for a moment? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Please, no one leaving or moving around would be out of here in just a couple of minutes. But if you came today and you said, Alan, I don't, I don't have a relationship with the Lord. I've never asked him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Or maybe you're here and you're like I was and you thought, you know what, I did that and I, I just got away from God and I'm so far away from him right now. I want to tell you something. He wants you back and in your heart, there's probably that's the cry of your heart. I want to come back. We're going to say a prayer. We're not going to have you stand up or come to the front. If you're watching online, uh, this is a prayer for you as well. But if you're here this morning and you say, Alan, that, that uh, man, I, I, I know I know I need him in my life or I need him back in my life. I want, would you pray for me? Just real quick, shoot your hand up across the auditorium and say, Alan, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for your courage. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Maybe if you didn't lift your hand, you're thinking, man, I really wanted to do that. and I just didn't lift my hand. You, you can pray this prayer right from your heart. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. It's a great prayer. You join us. You're online. If you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with other people, pray it quietly. But if you're here, let's pray it together. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. Father, I thank you for those who stepped out of spiritual darkness into, into light and for those who've come back home. And Father, for the rest of us, I thank you. For those who know you, those who walk with you, thank you. Help us recalibrate our hearts. Help us live to be a blessing. Lord, help us walk in your wisdom. And Lord, thank you for the wisdom that you have stored up for us if we'll just ask. We thank you for that. We give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope this message has blessed you. We have services every single Sunday at 9 and 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7. We'd love to see you here. Have a great week.